0: Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it
1: out. You know, this is our second annual student takeover. Last year, if you remember, I was tricked into speaking in front of you. Pastor invited me out on his boat. It was summer. He'd been talking about it forever, forever. And I'm just like, man, I can't wait to get on this boat with Pastor, right? He he wined me and dined me. He fed me barbecue. And then he said, hey, man, you're, you should speak on Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Well, this year, it's summer again, and I am back. Only this time, he didn't even take me out on the boat. He just said, hey, man, it's summer. This is the date you're speaking. And I was like, oh, one boat ride for two messages? That's that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. No, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean Burney. I am youth director here at Activation Church. Um, also kind of the worship leader for our youth, uh, you know, kind of just do a little bit, you know, everything. I'm also the fog machine guy. If you guys see the fog machines up here, uh, I press that button on cue every single week. <laughs> so. <clears throat> You know, being that it's summer, any good teacher would do when you're coming back to school is you're going to have a slight recap. So I'm going to recap last year for you. So if you, if I take you back, first of all, we were in that other building, right? We were up in this awesome stage, this awesome building. We were in the other building, and we were talking about discovering Activation Church, right? Who we are at Activation, and I had the pleasure of closing out that service or that message series. And uh, you know we're gonna actually start this one. So this is actually pretty cool, <clears throat> but. We were talking about the mission of the youth, right? What is our mission at Activation Youth? And the conclusion that we came to pretty quickly was that it's the same as the church, right? Our mission at Activation Youth is to be there to help youth activate their lives in Christ, right? And that's what our mission here is every single day, right? So it shouldn't change, right? Same message, but what we talked about was the mode of transportation to get there might look a little bit different right um, I had a I had a fun conversation with my old niece this morning and we were talking about the songs and she was like, oh my gosh like how many songs are we' doing I'm like oh we're doing three she's like we only play three songs it feels like one billion years you know so So we gotta do it a little bit different, right? We gotta captivate them a little bit differently than what we do here on a normal Sunday. So we talked about our mission. And the other piece that we talked about was really the viewpoint that a lot of people are having of the youth today, the generations coming up, right? We, We talked about how people were saying this regurgitated message over and over that, that this was the weakest generation that had ever come, right? And, and then we called them on it. We said, there's no way, right? But aren't we all weak until we are strong in Christ, right? And that's what this generation is waiting on. They're waiting on strong leaders, strong men and women of God to step up so that they can activate their lives in Christ. They have different challenges than we do when we were young, you know? I gave the example of, you know, we didn't even have a computer or internet in my house until I was in high school, right? That's super crazy, right? The generation of today is not only going to grow up with infinite amounts of information at their fingertips, right? They're, they're going to grow up with the ability to talk to anybody in the world at any time and be influenced by people, right? It's different, okay? It's not that they're weak. It's just different. And because we don't understand it, we just want to put them in a category, right? Put them in a box. There's another person in scripture that was highly overlooked. He was a young boy. He wrote poetry, kind of kept to himself. He he stood out in the fields uh, and watched his sheep as his eight older brothers went to war, right? His older brothers didn't think a whole lot of him. And even so, when a prophet came to anoint who would be the next king of Israel, his father and his brothers didn't even invite him to the party. Didn't even invite him to the anointing party, right? And so as the prophet looked on at all the brothers, the Lord spoke to him, right? The Lord said this, there's one more, right? There's somebody else. There's got to be. And they're like, oh, well, we got David, you know, but you don't want to see David. He's like, bring him to me. Lo and behold, David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. But David wasn't king of Israel overnight. He didn't just get anointed and became the king of Israel. It wasn't a sprint for David. It was a marathon, right? And our lives in Christ are like that. But all too often, we treat it like a sprint, right? We're trying to get where we're going. We have very little patience as human beings. We want things now. I know that I do, right? 100%, I want things now. So most of my life has been really focused in on getting to the next thing, right? I, I, uh, I have, I'm a very kind of compulsive person. I see things and I just got to do it. Like, I'm not the kind of person that watches crazy stuff on TV and I'm like, oh, that's nice. You know, that's really dangerous. I'm just like, oh man, I want to do that, right? Now, the other thing is, to top it off with my kind of compulsive uh, attitude is I'm also really obsessive, so when I see something that I want to do, I obsess about that thing. Like, and 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 because I'm also impatient, I want that thing now. So I'll give you some examples. Um, so I grew up surfing in Florida. Um, I've traveled kind of all over, uh, all over the, you know, Central America, uh, California, just you know, wherever there's waves, I, I've really tried to go. Um, and so I grew up surfing. At, it's a picture of me in Nicaragua. Um, and uh, yes. I used to have a beard like down to here, but anyways, so I grew up surfing, and the crazy thing about surfing, if y'all don't know, I know we're kind of landlocked here, right? Um, The crazy thing about surfing is, uh, you know, you paddle out to the waves, and then you wait, right? And then a wave comes, and then you paddle really hard, and you sprint into that wave, and you get it, right? And then you paddle back out, and you wait, right? So... Just sprinting, I'm just sprinting, right? This entire activity I would do all day, just sprinting on and off, taking breaks, sprinting on and off. And as I wanted to do other things, skateboarding, anything that I got into, everything in my life was a sprint, right? I wanted it then, I wanted it now, and I was gonna do everything I could to get after it. And then, you know, I, I was introduced to something called obstacle course racing. Has anybody done an obstacle course race? Have a couple people in here, right, hopefully. Um, I was introduced to obstacle course racing and up until this point, again, everything I've ever done was sprinting. I, um, I, I climbed, I did a bunch of different things, because um, I just, like I said, I, I see things, I'm like, I gotta do it, I gotta do it. My wife is always terrified of like, she'll come home and I'll be watching, uh, you know, some YouTube video of somebody like, you know, hang gliding or doing something, you know, skydiving, and she's just like, oh God, please please no, right? You know, she's like, I, we, we can't afford it. Our insurance is already maxed out. Uh, you've been to the hospital. Uh, I remember there's a point where she's like, you've been to the emergency room three times in the past year. We can literally cannot afford for you to do any more new things. And then the other thing that she really gets scared of is because I am really obsessive towards those things, I got to have the best stuff, y'all. I got to have the best stuff. I got, Justin knows. Justin knows, right? He's seen, he's seen my quiver of mountain bikes and things. I've got to have the best stuff. And so she's like, oh, we can't, we can't afford to go to, you know, we can't afford insurance, and we also can't afford all of those things, right? You know, because I just can't, anyways. It's something I'm working on, all right? It's something I'm working on. A lot like David, he was a regular person, right? And the crazy thing about David's, you know, his his marathon to becoming king is there's a lot of opposition in his way. And the other thing is the more you read about David, the more you realize that guy wants to get after it, right? He's ambitious. He wants to, like when we're talking about uh, Goliath, right? He saw what he wanted to do. He saw the opposition in his way and he didn't waste any time. Right, he went to the king. He's like, I'm going to take care of this guy, and he did. Right, he did. So, you know, I was introduced to obstacle course racing, and that led me into uh, endurance racing, long, long distance endurance racing, triathlons, uh, things like that. And, you know, the first the first obstacle course race I did was was pretty short. It's about five. It was a 5K. Well. Obstacle course races are never really accurate with distance. It's, they say it's 5K, but it's usually more. So I <clears throat> did a 5K. I felt really good, right? But up until this point, all of my life, all of my training, all of the things that I had been doing uh, actively and physically was all the sprint, right? I had no interest. If you, were to, if you were to ask me, if you were to lay out five things in front of me when I was younger and you said, oh, would you, which one of these things would you do? The only thing that I would never have any interest in doing was was long-distance racing, was marathons, was anything. I had absolutely no interest. I'm like, running for how many hours? Like, why would I do that, right? There's no instant gratification involved in that. I'm good, right? I'm totally good. Well, I got introduced to obstacle course racing in... I did that five miles and I I was like, man, this is pretty awesome, right? I think I could do a harder one, right? Because again, I'm obsessive. I can't just go and do that one thing. I've got to do the next thing. I got to do the harder thing, right? And then I got to train for it. I got to have the good stuff. And so I put in all this time and effort into doing more and more. So then I do another obstacle course race and I decide I'm going to do nine miles, right? I'm going to do mine miles. But nine miles isn't enough for me because I not only have to do these things, Got to be the best, y'all. I've got to be the best at it, right? I've got to make everybody else know that I'm the best. I just, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Again, I'm working on it. All right, working on it. And so I decided to do nine miles, and I decided to do it in a 20 pound weight vest. I had never ridden, I had never, I never ran nine miles before in my life, and I'm like, I'm gonna do this, this race, you know, and I'm gonna do 20 pound weight vest, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna do all these obstacles, right, and. And I just go after it. I barely make it, right? I barely make it. And I'm like, okay, cool. That wasn't too terrible. Okay. And then I decide I'm going to do a half marathon obstacle course race. I actually had already decided I'd bought all my races in advance. (laughs) So I was committed, but I was still training the same way. I was still eating the same way. I was still doing all the same things. I was still I was still sprinting towards everything, right? I was running a couple miles here and there, right? But I'm doing it fast, right? I'm not doing it slow and long like you're supposed to. And I do this 13-mile obstacle course race, or 13 point whatever. It felt like 30. I almost quit, right? I'm halfway through. I am dying, right? I am dying. I think my nutrition for that race was uh, a handful of mustard packets. Uh, I had... uh, I had some, you know, granola bars, and I think I drank a monster right before I went out. Yeah, and, you know, leading up to that, I really wasn't drinking, like, water, like, at all, right? I'm not drinking water, and so the day before, I'm just, like, I'm pounding water, right? I'm just, I'm drinking so much water, but if any of you know anything about the the body, it can only absorb so much at a time, right? So you drink 30 gallons of water the night before, guess what? your body's only going to absorb a very small percentage of that and you're done, right? It takes time. So I'm going to read a scripture verse, Romans 15:4. Says for everything that was written in the past to teach us so that sorry, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the engagement they provide we might have hope. Now, who here has had God speak to them in really wild ways, really weird ways, right? You know, sometimes God speaks to us when we're reading his word. Sometimes he speaks to us through other people. And for me, throughout my life, I, I, I read the scripture, I grew up in the scripture, um, you know, but I had a lot of people that would speak to me in different things. And so Lo and behold, God is training me. God is teaching me, right? But you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't listening a whole lot, right? There was this time, I remember, I was climbing at a gym, and uh, you know, my goal was to get to the top as fast as possible. And so I'm listening to like heavy metal music, and I'm trying to get to the top as fast as possible. And I had this guy, this other guy who was a climber. I didn't know him, but he was really, really good. And he came up to me, he's like, hey man, can I give you some advice? And I was like, you know, normally I'm like, okay, you know. But I was like, sure, sure. I had a moment of humbleness. Like, sure, please. And he said, hey, he's like, climbing is not about just getting to the top, right? Climbing is about enjoying the journey. Climbing is about making it seem and feel as easy as possible from point A to point B. And something about that really resonated with me. I'd never heard that before, right? I'd never, I'd never felt this idea that I need to slow down, right? I need to listen more. I need to take other people's thoughts, other people's advice, because for so long, I'm just going on my own steam. In this verse here in Romans, you know, we're talking about things that were written in the past were written to teach us Right? So even though that moment was really significant in my mind, I didn't, I didn't necessarily put it all together just yet. And then, you know, because again, I'm, I'm a really competitive person, uh, I decided to start fighting and uh, start kickboxing, not just street fighting, and it's not what I'm doing. Start, uh, I was like, oh, this guy, is crazy. Um, I'm not coming back next summer. Um, but I started doing kickboxing and I started doing it a little bit you know, later, later in life in my early 20s. Um, and <clears throat> I trained and trained and trained. I trained for six months and I decided I'm going to do a fight. So uh, my trainer booked me an amateur fight and I get there and I'm thinking, okay, cool, like this is what I got to do. This is the guy I'm going to fight. And as soon as I get there, the promoter decides that, oh, this isn't just going to be a fight. This is going to be an exhibition. So everybody's going to have to fight three times. Again, I'm a sprinter, y'all. I am a sprinter at this point. And so I'm like, my thought process is instead of taking my time, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to knock this guy out in the first, like, 30 seconds. I'd never fought before, but I'm going to knock this guy out in the first 30 seconds. So I came out in a fury, a fury. There's a video of it somewhere. It's hard to watch. I came out in a fury, right? And I, but guess what? so did he. He brought it just as hard. And so for three minutes, I put every possible thing I had on the line with this guy, and I didn't knock him out. I'm pretty sure that I I did a lot of damage to him. Uh, He looked really terrible afterwards. I felt really good. But guess what happened? I was gassed, right? I was gassed. And so we're going to the second round, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get him, right? I'm going to get him. I go out there, I make a key mistake by being a little too cocky and he breaks my nose. He breaks my nose uh, with his heel, actually, uh, which was not fun if you've ever been kicked in the face with a, with a heel, it's, uh, it's, it's crusty, it's, it's all kinds of stuff. So, so he, he heel kicked me and he kicked me in the nose and it broke my nose. That was the first time I broke my nose. And I was done. I was done. Yeah, There was no way that I was recovering from that, and the ref stopped the fight. Now, if I had taken some time, and I had, you know, if you ever watch a fight, right, you're watching fighters, and they're kind of distancing from themselves, and they're dancing around, and everybody just wants them to get into it. They're feeling each other out, right? They're taking their time. They're planning their strategy. My strategy was not good, Uh, and so not only did I not make it through three fights, I didn't make it through one fight. And from that point on, I I learned a really valuable lesson, which was I need to breathe, number one. Uh, And number two, I need to go into something with a plan, right? I need to do things a little bit more planned out. And then after that, I got a different trainer. I started working, uh, I started doing mixed martial arts in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, I started working with guys that were training actual UFC fighters. And what they had told me was that, I need to calm down, right? I need to slow it down because fighting a five, five round fight with somebody is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So I'm getting into endurance racing and what I'm starting to learn, and I, like all of these things are starting to come together for me, right? My mind is starting to work. When I learned all of those things before, they didn't always, they didn't always speak to me in that moment, right? They sometimes spoke to me later. And also what I found is like physical, physical failures and phys- physical successes, God spoke to me through. God speaks to me through those things. And each and every one of you has a different medium that God can sometimes choose to speak through. And that was a medium that I think God found where I would maybe listen to him a little bit, right? And much like my physical my physical, fleshly life of sprinting everything and sprinting everywhere, I was doing the same thing with my spiritual life, right? I would read a few scripture verses and I'd be like, oh man, this is great. This is great, right? I'd get really excited about Christ, and I'd be like, this is great. And then I would be feeling really good about myself, and then I would, you know, maybe stop reading as often, right? Or I, would, I wouldn't be putting as much time into the Word. I wouldn't be t- putting as much time into talking with God. And so God is preparing me throughout all of these moments in my life to teach me a really important lesson, which is that our, our walk with Christ and our walk through life is not a sprint. It it is, in fact, a marathon. And so the other thing when you talk about in distance racing, distance racing is fuel, right? If anybody has ever done any sort of long-distance race, fuel is extremely important, right? It's how you fuel your body going into the race. It's how you fuel your your body, I can't speak, fuel your body during the race. And then also after... And so you have to be very, very strict with your diet, with your training, right? If you want to be competitive in a half marathon or a marathon, that means you're running 20, 30, 50 miles in a week, right? If you're not doing that, you're going to have a really hard time on race day. If you're not fueling correctly, you're going to have a really, really hard time on race day. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, Do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly I do not fight like a boxer beating in the air no I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others I myself will not be disqualified for the prize Even here in scripture it's it's talking about running Right, And again, me being somebody that learns things through physical ways, this, is, this speaks to me so much, right? Because all through my years growing up, I'm chasing after, I'm sprinting after something, but I didn't know where I was going. I had no idea where I was going, right? And it wasn't until God revealed these things to me through my time in Scripture, right? Through my time in fellowship with other individuals that are like-minded, Right? that I started to have these realizations. Our, our youth today are not very dissimilar from me, right? They're sprinting, but they're sprinting at an even faster pace than we can imagine, right? They have, like I said before, they have all this information at their fingertips, and so they're sprinting, 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 what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next right? And, and that's hard, that's hard. So instead of just condemning them and condemning that and pushing them off to the side, we need to be building them up. We need to be talking to them. We need to be, we need to be that guy in the, in, the, in the gym stepping out. You know, I mean, think about it. Think about like just being somebody like, oh, I'm going to go talk to this person, right? This, this really intense dude who's just like crawling all over the gym and has a huge beard and he's listening to metal music because everybody can hear it because it's blasting, right? He took the time to come over and share something with me that, told, that I remember to this day. That was like 15 years ago right? It's something that I remember to this day. So you never know what impact your words will have on the youth of today and the generations coming up or the people that are around you. And when we talk about a marathon, you know, I know a lot of us, uh, you know, your parents in here, right? You have, uh, you know, we talk about raising kids, right? It's it, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? One day they really are your friend and the next day they're they're not so much your friend. And you know, I think that, like I said, you know, I'm, here, I'm standing here today because people in my life, they ran the longest endurance race ever helping raise me. Right now, right now, there are four Bernie men preaching the word of God in different places in the United States. My father is speaking at his church in Alaska right now. I'm speaking here. My Uncle Don is speaking at his church in Newport, Tennessee. And my Uncle Mark, who's been a pastor for 40 years, is speaking at his church in Merritt Island, Florida. If that doesn't say something to the importance of running the race, the importance of the endurance, the importance of sticking to it. When you want to quit, when you want to give up, when you're tired, when your legs don't want to move any further, you've got to keep going. And when you see other people that are running that race, it is imperative that you take that time to fuel that person because you never, ever know what they're going through. I cannot begin to imagine what our youth of today really are actually going through, right? But I, but I do my best. I try. I try to understand. But if, you know, we always think, you know, when you get older, you're like, ah, you know, like, I know what you're going through. Like, we have no idea. We have no idea what they're going through. And it's, you know, it's not our job to figure it out. It's our job to give them wisdom, to give them things, right? In Romans, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. All of your life experiences were written to teach you and to teach the next generation. So uh, I'm gonna invite Randy to come back up and he's gonna, he's gonna close us out real quick. But I really appreciate you all. Thank you so much for letting me speak today. Um, and uh, I really, really encourage you to go out and to share some of that wisdom with one another. Thank you.
0: Let's give Sean a big hand this morning. Just want to thank Sean for all the work he's doing with our youth. It's a very important, very important job, and somebody has to do it, and I'm glad Sean's doing it, to be honest with you. I'm really glad. He, the, 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 the students are in good hands with Sean. Uh, what a wonderful word this morning. A lot of times we, like he said, in training, you want to get it done as fast as possible, and even in CrossFit, if anyone's ever done that, you you work out with for time, for time, and I always hated those workouts. They were awful because <laughs> you got to do the most in the least amount of time. It's just it's hard work, and that's how life is. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Sometimes you can get up to speed, and you got to take a, take a step back. And God is working all things for His good and our good and our joy but it does take time and next week we'll be talking more about no wasted generation no wasted generation because the students are the future of God's kingdom and we have to take that seriously we have to because if we don't we don't leave anything for the next generation and every person in here is a part of that every person in this church is a part of building something for the next generation and I'm thankful that We're doing our part as a church, as Activation Church. I'm very thankful for that. Let's pray and then we'll dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We are thankful, Lord, that you have given us a dream. You have given us a purpose. You have given us a mission. And Lord, that mission is to push your kingdom to every edge of every continent on this big, blue, beautiful planet. Lord, I ask right now that you would bury this word into everyone's heart that is under the sound of my voice. Bury this word in their heart. Lord, so that we can take this generation into the future and your kingdom along with it. We love you, we worship you, we praise you. We ask, Lord, that you would anoint each and every student. Hear the call, to hear the call of the Lord upon their hearts. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. And I ask, Lord, that your spirit would be with them and in them to do the work that you have called them to do. Lord, continue to plant new visions and new dreams and new strategies in our hearts, Lord, to better serve and minister. To the students coming up behind us we love you we worship you we praise you we ask lord you would be with us and go with us throughout this week and continue to bless us with your presence every day in jesus name we all said amen